Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, we begin our reading today in verse number 18. Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. This being the week before Christmas, I'm going to wait until Christmas to talk about uh, to talk about the actual birth of Christ. But I want you to understand that there were many things that happened before that first Christmas that are of great importance. And uh, although these were simply steps in the plan that God had devised to bring Christ into the world, some of them tend to get lost in the shuffle, as important as they are. They, some way or another, just uh, get neglected. And the subject of my message today might seem like an odd choice to some of you, so I, I want to explain why I've chosen this. Christmas is a grand and a glorious celebration of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what it is all about. So naturally, he is the center of attention. But I've noticed over the years that sometimes our celebrations do not translate into anything of practical value. That is to say that we celebrate, but we fail to make any changes. We talk a lot about details pertaining to Christmas without actually... Uh, offering anything that's of practical value. So, so hopefully the message this morning will be something that will, will speak to all of us. So the title of the message is An Excellent Example. Greatness isn't always recognized as it should be. And Joseph is, I think, an example of what I'm talking about. He's often overlooked as a part of the Christmas story. Someone called him the unsung hero of Christmas. Now, whether you agree with that or not, the fact is that he seldom gets the attention 
that he deserves and uh, and yet he's a wonderful example of the kind of person that God uses. And as we read our text here this morning and look at what the Bible says about this man, we, we see that it speaks volumes as to what his character really was. Just imagine that out of all of the men on the earth, this is the man that God himself chose to be the father to his son. I mean, that alone ought to make this of great interest to us. Why is it that God chose Joseph? Well, I think there's some very good reasons that we're going to consider this morning. And if you're concerned about God's will in your life, if you're concerned about, you know, experiencing God's best and giving your best, Here is an excellent example of the life that we ought to live. Notice it begins with a discovery in verse number 18. It says, The birth of Jesus was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, that she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, Matthew doesn't give us all of the details. That's why we have four separate Uh, gospel accounts and so if we want the other details we have to you know look at what some of the others tell us and Luke gives us more information he tells us that Mary had visited her cousin Elizabeth for about three months and so after she returns from this visit with her cousin and and she gets back from that trip Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant Now, that no doubt, as we would say back in Missouri, would knock your socks off. I I, I mean, that is shocking. It's, you know, not just surprising, it's shocking. This is a devastating blow to this young man who is his spouse to marry. I mean, in his mind, he's got to be thinking that all of my dreams have been shattered. My dreams have turned into a nightmare. This is the worst case scenario. I mean, after all, how does Mary go back there and explain, oh, by the way, I'm going to have a baby? I mean, you can well imagine what must have run through his mind. I mean, as as good as he was, he was just a man. And as I look at this, I think it's a harsh commentary on life, and that is that things don't always happen as we plan or as we expect. So what do we do when our dreams turn into nightmares? We we just mentioned... Uh, recognizing the widows and the widowers here and uh, you know I, I i've often thought what a what a difficult thing it would be to think about losing your spouse i i i, I you know i just can't fathom that uh, i can't imagine how difficult that must be you know we all uh, all of those of us that are happily married you know i guess we have it in our mind like you know, we've talked about, well, let's just die together some night, you know, in our sleep, you know, and uh, just go to bed and wake up dead, you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good idea, but you you can have all of the plans that you want. But, listen, I'm telling you, 
a lot of times all those plans get trashed in some way or another and you're wondering, what do I do? He's just made this discovery. Now, that brings him to a dilemma. And, and the dilemma actually begins in verse number 19. He, he has got to, you know, he's got to figure out what am I going to do now? And, and notice verse 19. This is, I think, crucial. It says, and then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Now, that was his reasoning here. Now, remember, according to the law, he could have stoned her to death. I mean, the law would have allowed him to do that. And and I've got to tell you, I've known some men over the years that would have done that. That would have been their solution to the dilemma. I'll kill her. She cheats on me. You know, I'm going to kill her. But there was another option that was available. Also, he could have given her a bill of divorcement. Now, the bill of divorcement... By the way, there was not a license for divorce today. The bill of divorcement was allowed only during that espousal period. They had been espoused. And by the way, the espousal back then was something more than engagement today because they were lawfully considered man and wife, but yet they were only espoused one to another until they actually consummated the, the, the marriage uh, in a physical sense. And so during that period, if it was discovered that she had been unfaithful, he could legally give her a bill of divorcement. And he was free then to go ahead and marry whoever he would after doing so. But And notice here, he didn't want to harm her, and he did not want to embarrass her. And so he reasoned, I'm going to deal with this matter privately. Now, remember, he doesn't have all of the facts at this point. Keep that in mind now. Right now, he's just reasoning this out. He's thinking this out and trying to figure out what he's going to do. So he says, you know, I don't want to kill her, and I don't want to embarrass her in front of everybody. So I'm just I'm, I'm going to handle this in a private way. Thank God I didn't have Facebook back then. Yeah, you know, some people think they gotta they gotta deal with every problem they've got on Facebook, and you know, just plaster it everywhere. You know, well, uh, he didn't go out and tell the neighbors. He didn't start a slander campaign or anything at all like that. And uh, he's just trying to reason out the best way to do it, and that in his mind was to deal with it privately. What he doesn't know is that God is at work behind the scenes. Remember, there are no accidents with God. God either causes everything or God allows everything. And whether it's good or bad, it's either caused or it's allowed by God, but He's in control of all of it. And so behind the scenes, God is at work. We don't always understand His ways, do we? But we know that God will always do what is best. You know, even when things are bad, He can use them for good. We look back at the Old Testament, think of the Joseph back there as an example of what I'm talking about. Whenever finally, here, here's a young man that had been despised by his brothers and sold into slavery. And finally, when they're reunited, He says to them, He says, you meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it for good. 
And so here we find the New Testament Joseph in this dilemma trying to reason out what he's going to do. Thank God he's thinking instead of acting. So many times we react to a situation without thinking it through. Notice verse number 20. It says, and while he thought. Now he's about to receive a revelation from God. This revelation came while he was thinking. There wasn't any rash decision made. He was trying to figure out the best course of action. And then notice it not only came while he was thinking, but it it brought light on the subject because as he was thinking, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now we see God's plan. And as you read on, you see that all of this was a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. And this puts everything in a different light. It reminds us, even today, that God can take all of the, all of the wreckage of our life and He can salvage something good out of that. And sometimes our greatest blessings come out of our most grievous burdens. I'm certain that Joseph thought there's never been anything in my life uh, happened to me that is worse than this. And yet he was willing to trust God and to wait on God. And God is revealing to him now what this is all about. So we see that he has this dilemma and he's got a decision to make. And, and notice in verse 24 what the decision is. It says, And then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. Now remember, now he is armed with the facts. He has received a revelation from God. He knows that this is all a part of God's plan. By the way, you know, we talk about living our life by faith. And and, and even an explanation by an angel when it comes to something like this it might seem like a far stretch to some people. I mean, you know, all of a sudden here, you're in the worst dilemma of your life, and all of a sudden an angel appears. I've heard people talk about, boy, they'd just love to see an angel or something like that. I'm not sure my heart would take it if, you know, some feathery creature just fluttered down out of the sky and light here on the platform. I, you'd probably need a new pastor. I'd die of a heart attack. I, I don't care to see any angels that I know about. I'm just being honest with you. I, you know, I'd just soon trust the Lord as, as they have an experience like that. But look, he's in this emotional turmoil right now. And all of a sudden, the angel appears to him and says, Hey, buddy, don't worry about anything. This is all part of God's plan. You don't have to worry about that. And, and, and so he has got a decision to make. And that decision has to be motivated by, by faith, by trust that this is of God. And he did as God told him to do, and they were properly married. Now, now maybe you're thinking, that solves all the problems. Really? Not necessarily. You think about what he is subjecting himself to. There's going to be, there's going to be the scorn of unbelievers. 
He's got to go tell the next door neighbor and maybe relatives and whoever. He's got to tell his friendly and his friends and his family. He's got to explain to them, you know. Oh, by the way, Mary's Mary's already pregnant. You know what's running through their mind, right? Uh huh. I mean, either you slipped up or she's been unfaithful. One of the nobody is thinking. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> she's probably going to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah. They're not thinking that way. And 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 listen, there's going to be ridicule. There's going to be scorn. And in addition to all of that. Now he has to assume the responsibilities of being a father. And this decision to do as the angel told him to do involved all of that. He has got to stand up to the ridicule and the scorn. He's got to assume the responsibility of being a father and to do the things associated with that. And, and, and it's obvious that he makes this decision based on the fact, for one thing, that he loved Mary. But most of all, it's based on the fact that he wanted to please God. And let me tell you, those are the factors that ought to govern all of the decisions that we make in life. Whatever we decide to do, it ought to be for God's glory and for the good of others. That Listen, that's always what's best for us. That's why he made this decision. He knew that in making this decision, God's going to be glorified. He'll be pleased with what I've done. And I love Mary. I want to do what is best for her, regardless of what the neighbors think about her or what they think about me, whether they ever believe this story or not. I'm going to do what is right. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of dogged determination it takes for any of us to live the right kind of life. Now, notice in verse 25, his dedication. It says, And he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, you know, it's one thing for us to make a decision. It's another thing for us to carry through with it. And here was a man that made the right decision, and then he dedicated himself to doing what he told God that he would do. And we see his dedication in several ways. We see it in his attitude. That's what we've just been talking about. We see it in his attitude, but we also see it here in his abstinence. Notice in verse number 25, And he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn. This is a period of about six months now. Now, I've got to be really careful what I say right now. We're in a mixed audience, and we have children in here. And I'm telling you, though, those of you that have been there and done that, and you imagine entering into a marriage relationship, and you're going to wait six months before you consummate the relationship. And yet that is exactly what he did. All during this time, it says he knew her not. You see, he knew that she was to be a virgin until the son was born, and consequently, denying himself the pleasure, he complied to the will of God. Let me tell you, that's what real greatness is all about, the willingness to, de to deny ourselves and the desire 
to please God. So we see his dedication in his attitude. We see it in his absence. We also see it in his announcement. Notice there in verse 25 again, and he, Joseph, he called his name Jesus. That was an act of obedience. Remember back in verse 21, that's what the angel told him to do. He said, Mary is going to give birth to a child. That child shall be called Jesus. That, that shows obedience to the Lord on his part. It also took courage because you better believe there's a lot of people, most people was not going to believe that this little baby was going to be the savior of the world. You know, we, we, we all, whenever, you know, we, we have a child and we, you know, we look at that little wrinkled rascal and think, oh, that's the prettiest baby that I've ever seen in all of my life, you know, really. Uh, but, but we all feel that way, don't we? Why? Because it's ours. And you can just imagine, you know, Joseph telling the neighbor next door, man, you'll never believe how God's blessed me. Our baby's going to be the savior of the world. He's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's going to rule over the world. I mean, they're about to ship him off to the, to the funny house somewhere. Uh, I mean, and look, he's got to have the courage to stand up and to give this child that name, Jesus. It takes commitment. It takes faith. And in his dedication, we see the great importance of it is because I'm telling you, this is the one thing above everything the world needs to know, and that is who Jesus is. Now, we could go on and we could talk about his dedication being revealed afterwards. It's one thing to say that you're going to do something. It's another thing to do it. And remember, after the fact, you know, any, you know, anybody can, you know, give birth to a child, but, but it takes, you know, real character to raise that child as a mother or, or as a father. And uh, he has assumed this responsibility. And things, listen, things are about to get tough because in a couple of years, they've got to run for their lives. I mean, when Herod finds out about this, all of a sudden, remember, he is the, he is the king, king of the Jews, you know, and uh, actually he's a puppet of the Roman government, but he still, you know, he held that title and thought of himself as somebody that was really big and important, and he could only do what the Roman government allowed him to do, but, but he maintained that title, and it was important to him, and all of a sudden the announcement comes that the, hey, the king of the Jews has been born, and the wise men are searching for him, and Herod's wanting to know what is all, this is all about. Well, what I'm saying is that that Joseph assumed the responsibilities associated with being the kind of father that he needed to be. And, and we're talking about the Christ child. Nothing in all of the world could be more important than this. And here is a man that is dedicated to that. Let me tell you, I, I, I understand very well that, you know, regardless of what you think about your child, you'll never give birth to the Christ child. That's already happened but as much as you think about your child and how wonderful they are to you, you need to remember what an awesome responsibility that you have as a parent. 
And each of us need to consider that as a heavenly mission, a God-ordained command that we raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, God uses all of us in different ways. Whenever we think about the Christmas story, and this morning we're just looking you know, on this one little aspect of it, but, but there are several other, several other participants in this drama, several other people that we could mention this morning. All of them is a part of the plan, but they all play a different part in the plan. And that's the way the Lord's work is today in the building of His kingdom. And we think about the responsibilities that we have in this world today. God doesn't use us all in the same way. But for God to be able to use us, there has to be some of those same characteristics that was found in the life of Joseph. Now, God wants to use you. God can use you. But only to the extent that you're willing to become a a vessel as that is meet for the master's use, as Paul put it. And we look at Joseph and we see very quickly that he was a just man. The Bible says so, verse 19. He was compassion, not willing to make her a public example. He was a man who was prudent. He thought on these things. He was obedient and courageous. He was disciplined. He was a man of faith. He was committed and on and on and on we go. Those are characteristics that ought to be found in every one of us because God has given to each man, each person a work to do if we're willing. And let me tell you, if it matters not in what way or where God wants to use you, He will. Let me repeat that. If it matters not in what way or where God wants to use you, He will. If you don't care, Lord, just whatever you want me to do, here am I, send me, use me any way you want to. I don't care what you want me to do. I don't care where you want me to do it. I am willing. I'm like the clay in the hand of the potter and you take me and mold me and make me whatever you want me to be and you mark it down, God will use you. The only thing He's asking from you is for you to make yourself available to Him. If you make yourself available, He'll make you able. Think about Mary and I, I, I just love the story of Mary herself whenever Whenever the Lord, you know, spoke to her and Gabriel comes and he's speaking to her and, and she says, be it unto me according to thy word. Amen. In other words, she, now remember what God's wanting to do. God is saying to Mary, I want to use your humanity to make myself known to the world. I want you to be the vessel by which I come into this world. And she says, it's all right with me. And you know, there is a very real sense in God's wanting to do the same thing in your life. God wants to use you to make Himself known to others. The only question is whether or not we'll make ourselves available to Him. Somebody said, said, your life is like a coin. It's a gift from God. It's like a coin. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it one time. I mean, that we just got one shot at it. 
I've set before you this morning this excellent example, and what you do now is entirely up to you. You can receive it. You can reject it. But you cannot escape the responsibility of the decision that you make. You can't get away from that. You've got to make a choice today. Accept it or reject it. One of the two. Now, keep in mind, all of this didn't happen by accident. We talk about Joseph being a just man and all of the, all of the fine characteristics about his character. And that's all well and good, but please understand, all of that stems from a proper relationship with God. That's not what he was in and of himself. This is what he became as a result of having a right relationship with God. And that's where it has to begin with us. Brother Kenneth was praying a while ago, and his prayer was that if there are those here that have never been saved, that they might be saved this morning before they leave this place. That's what, Look, that's what we hope for you. That's, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what he wants. And, and you can never become the person he wants you to be. You can never become the person you need to be. You can never become the person that deep down that you really, really want to be. You can never experience the things that, that, that are desires within your heart. That can never happen to, first of all, you trust him as your Lord and Savior. And, and God has said, look, I've given you an excellent example here in the life of Joseph. And if we leave here today with the attitude that he had, there's just no telling what great things are in store for people like that. And, and, and I hope this morning, if you've never received Christ, look, this could be your greatest Christmas ever, the best day of your life by receiving Christ. And we're going to give you that opportunity. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank you for the example of Joseph. How we thank you, Lord, for the uh, dedication of Mary. How we thank you for all of those that, that played a part, whatever it was, in bringing Christ into the world. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for loving us so much that you wrapped yourself in a robe of flesh and condescended from the portals of glory and left the street of gold to come down here to the dusty trails of Galilee and to live among us and to die for us. How we thank you, Lord, for that. And I just pray this morning, if there's some man or woman, a boy or girl here today that's never received Christ as their Savior, they might do so right now. That by simple childlike faith, they might trust Him to save them. But we beg it in Jesus' name. While we stand.